I, I'm not wearing my wedding ring today uh, because it, it is giving me a rash, which uh, Rachel is telling me isn't an omen, but who knows? But I, I, reading today's text, and we're really just going to stick with like the first five verses of uh, the story chapter two, where we, he talks about Abraham and what Abraham did. Next week, we'll get into Joseph, and Joseph is super fun, specifically for our culture. And you may think, I'm not coming back next week. I'm going to have a hard time finding a chair. There's plenty of chairs. You're fine. It feels like there's not enough chairs. There's enough. You'll be good. Just come on back. Sometimes I do that. Have you ever gone to Walmart and thought, there's way too many people here. I need to leave. Every time. And actually, what you really think is there's way too many people here. Those people need to leave. You never like, there's no, there's, there's too many people here. I'll, I'll solve it and just walk out. You just. So we'll be here next week talking about Joseph, but I want to spend this week in just, just five verses and they're five extremely important verses and they're five verses where God makes a promise. And the whole of scripture is based on a promise, just like the whole of your marriage, the whole of your, um, maybe you have a contract at work. Uh, teachers sign a new contract every year, I believe. And let's see, yeah, every one of you is a teacher. <laughs> Feels like that sometimes. But the, you sign a new contract and you say, this is how um, I will commit to this and they will commit to me. When you, um, there were a lot of things happened at our wedding. Um, but the most important ones were like, uh, we, we lit candles, which was fun. Um, we took two candles, made a unity candle, and that's, uh, that's us saying, hey, look, that's pretty. And then we put it down. That's not important. The, I sang to Rachel, at a, in a, but it was in like an old school Church of Christ building. They wouldn't even let like us play music that had instruments. So all of our wedding songs had to be a cappella. Boo. And this <laughs> And then my song, which I knew on guitar, but because that's the devil's instrument, I'm just kidding. I couldn't play and sing it, so I just I was like, Well I'll sing to you and they were like, Well you can't use a guitar. I was like, Oh well then I won't. And she's like, oh, go ahead. And so I'm just singing a cappella song. Should have had someone stand up with me and sing the guitar notes while I play I sang the <laughs> Just can't do Dave Barnes without the guitar. It's tough. But there are... So we, a lot of that happened. And that's a lot of weddings. A lot of nothing. Surrounding something. And the problem is weddings a lot of times is they focus on the nothing more than they focus on the something. So you'll... I'll, I'll get to... I'll get to the um, rehearsal which is that's, that's if you've never been to a rehearsal, just imagine like a, a nightmare and that's it. Because whoever thought they were in charge walking in learns they're not in charge halfway in. And it's, it's a battle of who's walked, who tells the grooms or the, the ushers to slow down. That's the that's someone has to be at a re- wedding rehearsal to tell people stop walking so fast. 
That's what they do. That's the union charge. And they get up there and they, they practice, they practice walking in two or three times. They practice walking out. We gotta make sure the song's the right length. And they do all that. And when it's done at the rehearsal dinner over barbecue, I usually say, now, are y'all, have y'all, y'all do just want traditional vows, right? Or do y'all want me to spice them up a little bit? We really haven't thought of it. This whole event is revolving around a promise that you're going to make to each other. And you've thought about the napkins. You've thought about how, how ugly you want the bridesmaids' dresses to be. How <laughs> mauve. That's the color of most mauve. Not even a real color. You've thought about all of those things. But you haven't thought about the actual thing that's happening that day. Which is, a woman is going to make a promise to a man, and a man's going to make a promise to a woman. Before, in front of their friends. And it's those promises that make us, um, make, make life as a marriage important. You're, you're I'm, I, I, have, I have committed to you, and you have committed to me. And that cyclical thing, that cyclical promise is beautiful. If we take the Bible as just a, a, like a rule book for life, if we take the Bible as just like things I've got to do to get to a place, to get to heaven, like orders from God, then you're missing the story. And if you're missing the story, you're probably missing the promises found in the story. And this, Genesis chapter 12, is the first promise. And it's, let's, let's not get very excited about all the details without actually looking at the promise. So we'll be in Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. The Lord had said to Abram, he's Abraham at this point, um, when we were reading this at my um, with my kids, uh, they we got to the part where he says, "Now your name is Abraham," and that's at ninety, right? He's ninety years old when he changes his name to Abraham. I said, "Macy, how would you like it if for ninety years you were named Macy, and then someone changed your name to Macy Ham?" She said, "I would not like that at all." I said, "All right." I don't have a point off that. I just thought it was fun. The Lord had said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great. And you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. God just comes in to Abraham one day, and says, he gives him seven promises about who or or how God was going to function in Abraham's life and in Abraham's family. He says, but you've got to go and I will show you the place where you are going. So for Abraham, it's faith. And for God, it's promise. 
That's what the covenant is. That's what the, the contract is. For Abraham, it's faith. For God, it's promise. God is going to make some promises. And Abraham is going to have to have faith. And Abraham is going to be a blessing to all nations. And now you will see all of Scripture is summed up in this little bit here. From Abraham on, Abraham is, God is going to make Abraham into a great people. And whoever blesses Abraham will be blessed. And whoever curses him will be cursed. And all the peoples of the earth will be blessed through him. Now, as a Christian, we read that and we think, Jesus, and you're right. But when God, when God made that promise, he was thinking of more than just Jesus. He was thinking about from, from Abraham on... God was hoping that God's representatives in the world would be a blessing to the world. And not just a hindrance. So God was hoping for the Israelite people to be priests to all the nations. God was hoping for Abraham to bless those he encountered. And God said, you will be blessed. Whoever blesses you will be blessed. Whoever curses you will be cursed. You will be Blessed and all the people of the earth will be blessed through you. God is making Abraham a promise. And all throughout Scripture, and you'll see it as you read through the story, all throughout Scripture, God is constantly making these faith promise contracts with his people. He does it with Abraham. He does it with Moses. He actually did it with Noah before. He's done it with Noah. He's done it with Abraham. He's done it with Moses. He'll do it with David. He's making these promises to them about what they will be. And his promise to them is that he will be faithful if we have faith. We believe that when we step out, God will be there. God says he will be there. So the... Faith is not just stepping out or believing. Faith is not believing really hard that when I step, God will be there. Faith is stepping. Faith isn't believing really hard that God can part the waters. Faith is walking through once he does. Faith isn't, faith isn't just some sort of mental exercise that says, I, I will... Believe what you say. Faith is, I will believe what you say so much that I will move where you take me. And so, when Abraham has faith, it's not that he thinks you're right, God, which, because you're right, God, is always an easy thing to say, especially when God's there talking to you. Faith is, I will go. Now, he didn't give him direction. He said, go that away, and I'll tell you when to stop. And so he's, he's walking from a land, the land of Ur, you are Ur, to the land of Canaan. As far as Hebron and all, he, he, is, he is making a journey, and he doesn't know where he's going to stop. He doesn't know the end of it. But the, the, relation, the covenant, the promise is that God will be with Abraham and he will be with his descendants and he will be with those descendants and all of the world will be blessed through Abraham. And if we've read last week, 
what God is trying to correct is that we lost relationship with God. We lost our connection with God in the garden. And now he's starting with Abraham and he's making promises. Promises that God's going to keep. Look at what it says Abraham did. So Abraham went... So Abraham went as the Lord had told him and Lot with, went with him. That was a bad idea for Lot. But anyway, Abraham was 75 years old when he set out for Haran. He took his wife, Sarah. I know it's pronounced Sarai, but I don't feel comfortable with that. So I just say Sarah. She's going to be called that eventually. Anyway, took his wife, Sarah, his nephew, Lot, all the possessions they had accumulated and the people they had acquired in Haran. And they set out for the land of Canaan and they arrived there. He left. That was faith. But it's the beginning of this big relationship God's building over time. And if, if you see the Bible as like this thing that's supposed to tell you what to do to get saved, or if you see the Bible as this thing that's supposed to tell you all the rules you're supposed to um, follow, or if you see the Bible as this thing that tells you where and how the other people's sins are really bad and you should really yell at them about it. You're missing the story. Because the story starts with a bunch of people who are with God, who then aren't with God, and then God's trying to fix that. In the end, now hear me out. And Rob, you kind of stepped on my sermon a little bit because I too was wanting to offend Darlene. Hear me, hear me out. I, in the end, our final need is not forgiveness of sins. It's a relationship with God. What you need more than anything is a covenant, a contract, a relationship, a promise and faithfulness bond with God. To get there, you will need your sins to be forgiven, which that's part of the promise from God. To get there, you will need faith. To get there, you need Jesus. But what we're hoping for is a relationship with God. And that can be small sometimes. It can be real big. You know, it can be sitting down with your family. Maybe some of you have done this this week. You sat down with your family and you opened up the story and you read the, you read the, you read the Bible to your kids for the first time in a long time. Or you read the Bible with your spouse for the first time in a long time. Or maybe you read the Bible for the first time in a long time. Do not feel guilt for that. Good for you. Fantastic. But when you, when you read to your kids, what you'll find is that, well, I didn't know that. There were four sentences on that page in the kids' book. Huh. I didn't know Adam looked like that. That's weird. But you'll find God is seeking a relationship with his people. That's him now. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.
God. Well, let's stand and sing. I'm just kidding. God is. So, so no matter, no matter what in your life, God's looking for that marriage covenant with you where you stand with God and you make promises to God. Now, I do think one of our problems, in particular, and maybe one of our sins, is that we want the benefits of a relationship with God without the relationship with God. What that means is we want God to fulfill His promise without us fulfilling ours. He wants... His relationship without our... That's what's crazy when people talk about like, well, are you saved by works? Are you saved by faith? Are you saved... Like when, when people try to parse what you're saved by, it's weird because it's almost as if they don't know how relationships work. All, re- all relationships are a mixture of faith and action and movement and, and, and sacrifice. God sacrificed for you. The relationship between you and God cannot be one way. It can't be, it can't be God, well, God did this thing and now I'm looking, I'm looking for what God has for me next. What's God's, what, what does God have going for me? What? My answer for that is Jesus. Now, next question. What do you have going for God? Because life isn't, life isn't about like just receiving the gifts from God. It's been said like this, we want God to be Savior, but we don't want Him to be Lord. That's me sometimes. Like I want, God's always going to hold up His end of the covenant. But if we want the kingdom of God, if we want the people of God to be a blessing to the world, we're holding up our end. Because God wants more relationships. God wants more people to be in relationship with. And that's why it's super important to have church where, yeah, wear a suit, wear jeans, wear mesh shorts if you have to. But this is, this is, this is, this place is not about what you wear. It's not about who you know. It's not about how much money you have. It's not about God sees no difference. He says all people will be blessed. All people will be blessed through Abraham. It's not just Abraham's descendants. It's not just the special people. And here's, you may not know this, you're probably not a descendant of Abraham. But you're a friend of Jesus. And so you are blessed because of promise God made to Abraham. You are, you are affected by that. Martin Luther King Jr. moves me. Um, every year at this time, and I'll, I'll do it Monday, it's my practice. Um, I watch um, the I Have a Dream speech, and I watch the From the Mountaintop speech. Um, I don't know if you remember the From the Mountaintop speech. From the Mountaintop is the one where he, he talks about how that day is coming when we will not fight 
And he says that no amount of dogs, no water hoses, nothing can hold us down. And then he says, and I may not get there with you. I may not see it with you. But I've been, he says, his cadence, I can't not say, he says, I've been to the mountaintop. And I've seen the promised land. For Martin Luther King Jr., racial equality was hope. And he uses language of the Israelite people who are hurting and God redeems them and rescues them. Hours later, Martin Luther King Jr. was assassinated. Man, that guy was a prophet. In the truest sense of the word. Because he wasn't calling people to revolt. He was calling them to love. You know, the great quote from Martin Luther King Jr. is, um, you can't drive out hate with hate. Only love can do that. You can only love people to get them to quit hating. Martin Luther King Jr. was seeking relationships. He talks about people from all races, all colors, sitting down to eat together. That's a dream of God, not just a dream of His. So we are called to a serious covenant. And sometimes it takes people pointing us in different directions. It takes people standing there and calling us out for our racism, calling us out for our inequality. Sometimes it takes people who make us uncomfortable to see things differently. To seek and value relationship. But I can tell you this. If you, if church to you, if Christianity, Christianity, you'd think I could pronounce that word. If Christianity to you is this transaction between you and God. Where I did a thing, so he will do a thing. Then it's not going to be all that healthy. But if it's a relationship, if it's a covenant, if it's if God, God has promised me, has given me his son, has given me a freedom to have a relationship with God. And I believe that. Then start walking. If he's given me. Forgiveness of my sins. If he's given me resurrection, start walking. Go where he leads you. And don't stop until you get there. Don't be the person who stays in Ur and just says, praise God. Get to walking. Do something this year that you're scared to do. Do something this year that you're, I, I, don't, I don't know, if I, I don't like them life groups. Join one. Talk to me, John, Tracy. Ty, Ty looks enough like Tracy. 
Start walking. I don't know. I couldn't teach a class. Teach a class. Do it. Because this isn't about your ability. It's about whether you're going to start walking or not. It feels weird to read my Bible with my spouse. What's your fault for marrying a weird spouse? But get reading. Start walking. Come on. Because faith isn't, faith isn't just receiving promises and saying, yes, I believe, I believe your promise is true. Start walking. Get moving. It, it's the only, like, that, that's the way to live a Christian life. Jesus comes and says, I will lead you to the Father. We say, thank you. And Jesus says, come with me. And we're like, thank you, Jesus. He's like, seriously, come on. Thank you, Jesus. Get to step to where God is leading. What What are you led to? What's the scariest place for you to step foot in your journey? And put your foot there. Because God has made a promise to you And if you have faith, it means you move. The promise moves you. It, it, it changes you. Have you ever uh, thought to yourself, you know what? I'm gonna, you know what? We should do that. Nah. Like that quick? That's Satan. Satan wants to cut your good faith steps off at the thought root he wants to kill that quick he wants to make you stand still but standing still ain't fun and it's not good in a relationship one of the most hurtful things you can say to your spouse is you aren't what you used to be because you aren't what you used to be assumes that you should be this nostalgic version of what you always, what I thought you were, but you never were. It's just not a good thing to say. But could Jesus come to you and say, you're exactly what you were when I found you? I don't, I don't, I don't want that to be said. Now, that doesn't mean that I like lose salvation. Jesus is patient, like, Jesus isn't coming in and grading you and then deciding whether or not you find, like you go, you're you're in heaven because of that. But you want to walk in faith? And start walking. That may be up here this morning. It may be out those doors, but it may be you and your spouse or your family getting together and saying, this is how this year will be different. Because of the promise of God, because of the covenant I have with God, this is how this year will be different. Whatever you need this morning, please come forward while we stand and sing.